just uh, we were Father's Day, and I just felt like God laid it on my heart and really spoke that He's calling fathers for this nation. This nation is in desperate need of fathers, fathers who will be men of conviction, who will be men who stand in the truth and stand for the truth and not be moved by the political influences in our society, but who will stand firm in the Word of God and call sinners to repentance, call men and women to turn away from the wicked ways that God's trying to redeem this nation and lead, bring us back from the, from the brink of, you know, of the fallenness of this nation. And God wants to bring fathers to heal this nation who will be men who will heal the nation and heal the hearts of those that are broken and restore them to wholeness so that they can walk in freedom and liberty and proclaim God's truth and stand in God's truth. I have a word. I don't know if it's for anybody in particular or just for us as a body. Um, Everything that God has been telling me lately is also things that uh, my instructors in the police academy told me. And so it's amazing what a police academy will do for your walk with God. Um, One thing that was constantly drilled into our heads over and over and over every day is that your pain is no indication of how badly you're hurt. Now, for, what, for whatever that means to you, um, I know what it means to, to us as, as officers and, and things, but fight through that pain. Use that pain as fuel to finish your fight. Uh, an example that everybody can relate to, um, when I stub my toe on the edge of my bed, for a split second I think, Jesus, take me now. <laughs> it is horrible. Just for that split second, it's the worst pain you ever feel in your life. And then, right after that moment is over, you know, I turn into the Incredible Hulk and get angry and fight through it, even though it hurts terribly bad. So, I don't know who that's for, but don't let your pain be an indicator of how bad you're injured. So, just fight through it. God's not done yet. But that's, he's, uh, he's done a lot already. Uh, I don't know. I, I almost didn't want to stop singing. I, I really, you, you get, you understand sometimes when you're in worship and you're like, I know why those angels, they don't ever stop. They just, they don't want to stop. It's like they're crying holy. They're saying worthy is the lamb. There's the song of the lamb. We get, whenever we get glimpses of heaven, I mean, there's only one time where heaven's quiet, and they mention it in the Bible because it's so shocking, and there was silence for 30 minutes in heaven in the book of Revelation. But every other glimpse we get of heaven is loud and powerful and, and just amazing worship. And uh, I love worshiping with the people of God. I love worshiping with my family. So uh, thank you for joining in and just making declarations. You know, there's things that happen when we worship that we don't see. You worship, we worship by faith. Everything we do is by faith, by the way. We, we, are, we are taking a step of faith to believe that I'm not singing to the air. 
that I'm not just, you know, I mean, think about that. If God is dead, if God's dead, then all this thing we did this morning is really stupid. I mean, you're, you're really a bunch of idiots. I'm sorry. If God is dead. If God is dead. Because all we're doing is doing some motion thing and we're singing to no, somebody who, who's not there who can't hear us. But, if God's alive, then I'm singing to the King. Then I'm singing to my Father in Heaven. Then I'm singing to one who hears. Then when I'm lifting my hands, well, there is something going on. When I am speaking my voice and declaring His praise, there is something released. And so I choose to believe God's alive. And we're not a bunch of idiots. So, my wife is not pleased with that choice of words. Um, Don't use that word, kids. Any kids still in here? Anybody younger than me as a kid? Don't use that word. It's a bad word. Um, Well, today today is Father's Day. And, uh, you know, I feel like God has a a word. And it can apply to everybody in here. But I I may talk specifically uh, to men this morning. And so if I talk a little bit more to men, ladies, just kind of make the application over to you as a lady. On Mother's Day, I spoke to ladies, right? You remember that? If you were here, I spoke to ladies. So you each get one day um, a year where, you know, you have to try to convert the message. Uh, and I don't even know why I tried to speak to ladies because that's, you know, that trans- who knows what happened in that translation, right? Um, there's a different language that is spoken sometimes. But so ladies... You're, you're smarter than us. Make the application, okay? Make the transition over. Convert it to female uh, applications. So, um, man, I'm not sure where we're starting yet. But, you know, there, there's something different about dads. My, my daddy's here today. I still call him daddy. Um, when I was in junior high, I was too embarrassed to change it. So I just, you know, after I got over that, uh, I just stuck with it. And now I... Proud to use that word. Um, but, you know, dads, dads let their kids do things that their moms won't do, let them do. And I, I mean, I, I, I'm confessing here. You probably should be teaching the kids today, babe. <laughs> you know, there's, there's several times I've found myself doing this, and it's probably wrong, Okay. I, I, it's probably wrong where I sell. I, I, I have my, my sons or son, and I say, don't tell mommy. <laughs> and, and I don't think I'm alone. I don't know where I learned that from. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where I learned that from. It's, maybe it's just a natural thing, but... You know, there's a there's a couple of times. There's one time where I look back, and and the only here's one I could think of. So you you might be able to think of more. But we used to go. We lived in California, and we were ni- right next to like the foothills, the mountains there. And so we we drive up. You know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. <laughs> See, <laughs> we drive up. You know, just out of San Dimas, we're in the San Gabriel Valley, right? San Gabriel. 
Yeah. So you go up and there's mountains all around. So you drive up just a little, you're up in the hills. And there's, there's trails to hike and there's all this stuff. And so, you know, we're, I don't even know how old we were. We're, we're old enough to think we were awesome as me and my brother. So whatever age that was, 12 and 10 or 14, you know, probably 12 and 10 maybe. And, you know, there's all these different places where you can climb. And I remember there's this one, it was this huge paved concrete wall, okay? And it had a pretty steep angle, okay? It had a really steep angle, and it had this trough kind of carved out of it. And so it was kind of like, I guess, like a drain or something for the water to come off the mountain. And so my dad let us climb up that thing. You know, and so we're crawling up the, you know, the curved crevice, you know, of this thing. And, you know, we're up. I mean, how tall was that thing? 50 foot? It was a, you know, I don't know, as I was 12. So it was probably like 375 feet high. (laughs) You know, it was like this angle. You know, it was, but, you know, we got to the top. We got to the top, and I guarantee you, I don't think he climbed it. He was too old already. But, um... (laughs) Or too smart. And you get to the top and you look down that thing. And I w- I'm, I'm imagining if I saw that today, if I went back to that in California and looked down that thing today and looked, I would, I would say, Evan, you're not going up that thing. <laughs> I don't care if we tell your mommy or not, you're not going up that thing. But my dad let me go up that thing. And, you know, sometimes you can do things that you didn't think you could do. We, we sat there at the top, and we looked down at that. And I remember thinking, that was a lot scarier at the top than at the bottom. <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes dads let us do things. And so, I don't know what that has to do with the message. <laughs> God wants to do something good in us, you know, and it's not going to be something that we have to be ashamed about and not tell somebody. And he wants to call us things that'll, where we can do things, guys, men especially, that we never thought we could do, places we never thought we could go. If we look at it from the top, and that's sometimes what we do, we look at it at the end and say, I'll never get there. I'll never be able to reach that in my life. I'm, I, there's just been too much in my life that's been messed up. And it's kind of like we're Adam in the garden. We're hiding. We're hiding, and God is calling out to us. Once to turn, turn to Genesis 3. We're going to start there. You know, one of my favorite aspects of God is that God is a father. You know, if I say the word father, and we know that, it's just like uh, Brother Tommy was saying, we need, we need fathers in our country. Why? Because we've got a broken 
fatherless generation that's being raised right now. And here's the deal. Some people think that generation has started recently. It started for those who are being raised in my dad's generation. It's not a recent phenomenon. It's not something that just magically changed overnight. It's gotten worse. It's progressed. It's, it's the unhealth and the brokenness has multiplied itself. And so sometimes when we hear the word father, when we think of our dad, even if you got a great one, he screwed up. Except for Austin's dad, he didn't. <laughs> he had a perfect daughter and he probably was a perfect father. But look, I mean, even the best dad in the world is broken. And we are all coming from brokenness. You know, when I, when I, you just had, did you come last Father's Day too or something? Because, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid and I was thinking about my dad, I mean, I just thought he was almost like God. I mean, when you're a little kid, you know, when you're older, you figure it out, he's not. <laughs> I don't know if you figured that out yet, Austin. You know, I don't know if you all have figured that out. Some of you got your dads in here. You're like, you figured out that they're, you know, they got some issues too. They got some problems too. They're not perfect. And, uh, you know, but when you're a little kid, you think, ooh, my dad is amazing. And, you know, I've realized that now that I am a dad in the place of little kids, I'm thinking, man, if you think that, ooh, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm, I'm like, that is crazy that you would even think that about me. I was thinking too, man, when I, when I got to be a dad, I'd be, I'd be more prepared or something. Or I'd be more like have it all together, everything figured out. I'd be a better prayer. I'd be like a better everything. You know, I'd be amazing. And it would just be, you know, just, wow, you know. And I know my wife, that's what she says about me. But, you know, that's what my kids think too. But they're only five and two and minus three months. <laughs> Zero. They don't know yet. They think, they think I'm amazing. And so hopefully I'm going to keep them little and they'll keep thinking that. But we all find out later it's not true. And so we, we, all, have, we all have to come to God as a father and we have, to, we have to unlearn things we've learned. We have, to have an, we have to have God come in and say, no, that's not what it's like. We have to come in and receive healing from God where he says, let me show you. Let me reveal to you. You know, because I believe that the character of God in himself, it's not that there just is a father God, you know, the heavenly father. It's that the nature of God is to be strong and loving like a good father. Is to be affirming and, and to discipline and to call out greatness in his kids. And it's in the nature of God. And I want to show you in the scripture. We're not going to look at. We're going to. We're going to get to Genesis three here in just a second. But he, here's the deal. In First Corinthians chapter eight, we're just going to watch it. Look at it on the screen here. It says this: For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or in on, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God. The Father, from whom all things came and from whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. There is one God and He is the Father. 
It is the nature of God that He is a loving Father, that He is good, that He is a creator of blessing, that He is the initiator of everything that is good, that is, that is gonna be, uh, bring people into their destiny. Here's the deal. Here's, I'm gonna show you. Because here's the deal. Jesus is called Father too. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, it's a prophecy about Jesus, and it says, hey, look, this is Jesus. A child is born. You recognize this scripture? Unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the garment on his shoulder, the garment will be on his shoulders. I think it's supposed to be government, isn't it? That's straight from the internet, okay? Everything on the internet's not true, okay? <laughs> that's weird, huh, Corey? And he will be called, maybe that's a translation thing, I don't know. And he will be called, listen to this, this is Jesus. Remember, this is Jesus. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's not talking about Father God there. It's talking about who Jesus is. The nature of God. Uh, Matthew 10, 20. Of the Spirit. This is Jesus saying, hey, there's things things happening and you're going to be given what to say at, at that time. For it will not be you speaking when you're saying those things, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. See, all three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, are spoken of as being related as a Father. And to me, that tells me that at the very nature of God, part of the nature of who He is, is a Father. And what better way for the enemy of our souls, for the enemy of God to come in and disfigure and distort and make distrust with just the word, with just the thought of the Father, that it's at the very heart of who God is that says, I'm a daddy God. I'm a father. Romans 8 and 15 says this also of the Holy Spirit. It says, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. In other words, He's the Spirit of adoption. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba was the Aramaic term for Papa or daddy, it's, it's an intimate term. It's like something you call, you know, when, when you're close to somebody. It's not like just dad or not just like, you know, an out there word. It, it was like daddy, like papa, like whatever the intimate, close, loving term for a father would be. And it's the Holy Spirit that comes in and says, let me show you how to relate to God. As a father. Because we all need that revelation. I need the Holy Spirit to show me. It doesn't matter how good of a dad I had or how bad of a dad I had. We're all in the same place. I need the Spirit to come in. The Spirit of adoption. The Spirit of sonship. The Spirit who shows us how we're God's children. says, let me reveal the, the Father heart of God to you. But sometimes we're like Adam. We continue to hide. God's calling out, where are you? 
Where are you, my son? Where are you, my daughter? Genesis 3, in verse 8. This is the start of it all. You know, there was, there was a perfect marriage once. I don't know for how long. You know, Adam and Eve were married, and they had a perfect relationship for a period of time. We, it doesn't tell us how long it took. I mean, in my mind, as a kid growing up, it was always like the next day. I mean, is that what you thought? You know, like, God created them, they, they enjoy the day, they go to sleep, they wake up, boom, snake. Eat the fruit, boom, it's over. Right? I mean, that's kind of, just kind of, I don't know, that's just what I thought. I mean, you read the Bible, it's like, boom, boom, it happens next. But it doesn't say that it was the next day. We don't know how long they had a perfect marriage. Could have been 30 days. I don't think it was like 300 years or anything, but, you know, it could have been a week. I don't know. But there was a perfect marriage at one point. There was one marriage that started out unbroken. But there's never been a perfect father because Adam did not have sons until after the fall. So everything after Adam, there was brokenness. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to come in and say, let me show you Abba Father. Let me show you what he's like. Genesis 3 and verse 8. This is after they've eaten the fruit, they... they you know, they've, they've sinned against God, they, and then they're hiding. And it says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And, and the, God says to him, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And then Adam goes on and says, it was her fault. <laughs> I mean, it's the original excuse. That woman you gave me. <laughs> and then, you know, then there's all these consequences that happen. And then God has to kick him out of the garden. You know why God kicks him out of the garden? It's not because he's so ticked off at him. I mean, he's upset that this happened. He's not pleased. Uh, but it was for their good that they were kicked out of the garden. At the end of Genesis 3, he says, Hey, it, because they are in this state, we can't let them eat the tree of life. In other words, I don't want them stuck forever in their sin and brokenness. I don't want them stuck forever how they are. So we need to get them out of the garden of Eden. They can't touch the tree of life because I'm going to bring them new life someday. He promises right in that moment, I'm going to send Jesus. He's going to crush the head of the serpent. But you've got to get out of the garden because you can't eat the tree of life. You'll become another Satan forever in darkness. Forever in brokenness, forever in sin. So I'm going to kick you out for your own good because I love you, because I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to call you back. I'm going to buy you back and I'm going to make you new and you are going to be transformed to be my child and you will learn to relate to me as, as you were meant to by the Holy Spirit who comes and calls out from within your spirit. Oh God, Daddy God, Father God. I love you. But there's reasons we hide, men especially. We're hiding sometimes. How do we hide? We hide by just 
going about our business through the day. Apathy. You know, we're distracted by stuff, you know, entertainment. And there's nothing wrong with that. I like to, you know, relax and watch a baseball game. But if I use that to just hide away from who I'm called to be or what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm hiding just like Adam. And God's calling, where are you? Where are you, my sons? Where are you? Does it say that God came, showed up, and went, slapped the, you know what, out of him? (laughs) It doesn't say that. It says there was consequences, yeah. It said there was things he had to do. He had to say, look, you got to be removed. There was things that had to happen. Because God was still already in that moment looking for redemption, looking for a relationship. He said, I created you to be my child. It's going to be a little bit longer process for the restoration to happen, but I'm 100% committed to it. I love you. But sometimes we find ourselves, we're just like Adam. We're afraid, and so we hide. We hide our lives. We can hide our lives in church. We can hide our lives behind ministry we can hide in our lives behind our work and and finding identity in something else we can hide our lives even in raising families then we're not totally open we're not totally fully saying oh god i'm here i'm right here i'm here i'm yours i'm here adam said i was afraid so i hid and i was naked that talks about shame you know men there's things we've done that are shameful. Every single one of us in this room has something that we wish we'd never done in our lives. It doesn't matter how good of a church kid you are. I've got a couple. <laughs> Maybe only two. No. I've got several. And I can either allow my past and the things that I've done to make me hide in the bushes from who God is saying I am and who God is calling to me, or I can answer the call when God says, where are you? And I can say, I'm here, God, but I'm naked. I'm ashamed. What does God do in that moment? It says he clothes the man and the woman. God commits the first murder because he loved us so much. It says... That was the first animal ever ever killed. He had to kill one of his creation. His precious creation. But we were more precious. Somebody had to die. Somebody had to die. And he says, look, I'm going to clothe you now. I'm going to cover your shame. Sometimes we become like Adam... And then when God says, what happened? We become angry. And we begin to point the finger. It's this person. It's this person. It's here. It's because look at the dad I had in, my, in, this, in this life. Look at, he, he was horrible. Some of us had horrible dads. They were, they were broken. They were broken like Adam. Every single dad is, is broken. And they are fathering you out of their brokenness many times. And that brokenness makes you feel pain. 
It, it does hurt. It, it, we're not denying the reality of that. But God is saying, where are you? I want you to come up out of that. I want you to raise up out of that. Some of us, we become angry and it causes us to, to run away from God, to rebel, to, to go far. Or it's just resentment and unforgiveness towards what's happened in our life. You know, guys, sometimes we just get, we're mad at life's not working the way we want it to work, right? It's not, it's not going the way we think it should go. And we try so hard sometimes and we, we still aren't getting what we think we should have in, from life. And so there's this, there's this anger, there's this resentment that begins to grow in us and it begins to, to bear fruit in our relationships and things begin to break down with those around me, my kids and my, and my wife and my, my loved ones, people that I love. Man, the power of the kingdom is forgiveness. I was just, I, that, that phrase is just like resonating in me this week. When Jesus was on the cross, I mean, he's, Jesus was on the cross, and in that moment, he was exercising this gigantic power of the kingdom of God when he said, Father, forgive them. It looked like he was the one being gotten the best of. It looked like he was the one losing, but Jesus was the one winning. And he was declaring the power of the kingdom to say, I forgive you for what you've done. Guys, we have to do that. Ladies, you have to do that too. But I'm talking to them today. (laughs) We have to forgive the brokenness that our Father released into our lives. I am aligning myself with my old father, the devil, when I choose to point the finger and make an excuse for why I'm hiding from God. I am aligning myself with my old father. In John 8, there's a huge confrontation with the Pharisees. I'm just going to tell it real quick. We won't read it. It's... uh, Jesus and the Pharisees, and Jesus says, hey, if, the, if, if you know the Son, the Son will set you free, and you'll be free indeed. And there's all this. There, the, John is just like this awesome book. There's like, Jesus says some like, in-your-face statements to the Pharisees. Like, it's just this going back and forth. You see the, the tension, and, and he's very, being very strong with them. And finally, they say, look, we, you know, where, where are you coming from? Who are you that, that's going all this? And, and Jesus says, well, you're just doing what your father has always done. Your father is the devil. He's been a liar and murderer from the beginning. That's pretty serious, pretty intense. He says, look, your father, when we come into the world, is the devil. You know, there's a song by Petra. It's really kind of... Everybody heard of Petra? They're like a Christian rock group. They started in the 70s and went into the 80s and like limped into the 90s. And then I think they, they crashed and burned in the 2000s, you know, as they were on their rockers singing their last concert or whatever. Um, but they had this song called Killing My Old Man. Killing my old man. You may not understand. He's a terrible man. So bad, so bad. Okay. You know. <laughs> Great, it was Greg Boltz, man. He could sing higher than any man in the face of the earth. Right, right, sir? Man. So, you know, and I, I think the song was written towards like the old self of the old nature as well. But there's a part of that 
that, you know, your old man is your, you know, and I, I never used that for my dad. I just, it sounded weird or something, I don't know. But, you know, yeah, my old man this, my old man that. But the song is saying, basically, look, I had to kill my old man. I had to kill my flesh, and my old father, I had to kill him, the devil. You may not understand, he's a terrible man. And I don't want to do anything in my life that lines me up with my old dad when my new father is so good. It says we've been given the spirit of adoption. We have been, we have been transferred out of a family into a new family. It says in the scriptures in Ephesians 3 that there's, there's one God, the Father, from whom all families derive their name. In other words, the source of all health in our relationships comes from the Father, comes from the nature of God as the Father. And we must know Him like that. And any time I begin to say, They did this to me, and that's why I'm like this. I am aligning myself with my old father because it's a lie. My old father is a liar. My new father is a forgiver. My new father says, I refuse to hold their sin against them. My new father says, I will give my life for them. So that means those things that have been done to me, I now have the power of the kingdom to declare those things in my life as having no influence on today. Because really, that's what, what, what is happening in the situations in our lives is that things that happened to us in the past, people that did things that were very close to us, they're influencing me today when I have been transferred out of a family where that was my lot in life, but I've been transferred to a new family where I have a great inheritance in heaven stored up for me. The goodness of God is stored up for those who fear Him. He's saying, look, I have all these things. Why would I step back in here and live with the finger pointing and the brokenness, when I can step into the power of the kingdom and say, it doesn't make sense. It looks like I'm losing, but I forgive you. I let that go. I will not allow what's been done to me to influence my today and to affect my tomorrow. Because I am in a new family and I have a new father. I have a daddy God now. Whatever word for him makes him most intimate for you, I encourage you to use it for God. We sing about the greatness of God today because, you know what? Everybody wants to have a great dad, right? I mean, when I was growing up, you know, when I saw my dad do stuff that was, I thought was awesome, you know, I mean, that made me want to get closer to him. That didn't make me want to run away from him. It made me want to be with him because I knew it. I was like, man, he's strong. He's talented. He's, he's got some things going on. Until I could beat him at racquetball. Then I said, yeah, get off. Okay. Um, <laughs> but you know, when we exalt the greatness of God, it, it shouldn't, it's not intended to make us go, oh no. It's intended to make us go, I want to know him. I want to be close to you. I want to be close to someone that that's, te- that's that gifted, that's that strong, that's that wise. I want to sit around someone who's like that. I want to have, you know, sometimes I need a hug from a person like that. I need to be held. You know, my, I got, my first son is a really, 
He's a touchy-feely guy. Like, he likes to get in your space. You know, and he loves, he always wants me to give him hugs and do stuff. So I try to do that all the time because I know that's, that's how he experiences love. Part of the way he does is he's just, you know, he's in your business. I mean, he's one of those people. You know those people that, like, they're always, like, you know, in, they, like, you know, why are you touching me so much? Like, you know, they're just wanting to express love to you. In other words, they're, they're a person who expresses it that way. And so sometimes those kind of people, they'll experience God like that too. You know why? It's because God loves them. God comes to us and says, let me communicate love to you in the best way because I'm a good father. Because, you know, I want to show my son's love and my daughter once I figure out how to love a daughter. <laughs> it's different. And so God comes to us as a father to each of us differently. But each of us, he's saying, look, I'm coming to you as daddy. You know, there's a a bunch of guys. I mean, look at the examples in Scripture. I'm about to close, and I want us to respond. But there's all kinds of men hiding in the Bible. They're hiding from who they're supposed to be, and it could be for... Uh, you know, good reasons. I mean, think about Moses. You know, where Moses was, did he suddenly get, you know, called by God later in life? No, that was always his destiny. He was meant to be a deliverer. That's who he was called, called to be. He was destined to be the leader of the people out of slavery. But he hides for 40 years. He runs off in the wilderness. He's hiding from God. And God has to show up to him in an amazing way to even get his attention. He says, I'm going to have a burning bush show up that's not going to burn up. And then I'm going to speak out from it. You know, as soon as you look over and notice, then I'm going to call you. Even in that, what does Moses do? When God shows up and and God says, hey, I'm with you. and, And you're standing in front of a flaming bush and there's this voice coming out. And Moses is still... In hiding, he still says, I can't talk right. I stutter. I got things. I can't even, how could I even communicate? He's hiding behind his lack. He's hiding behind his disabilities, so to speak. His inability, his weakness, saying, hey, this is an excuse for me not to step into my destiny. And God says, no, I'm with you. There are no more excuses now. I am that I am. I am the one. You know, there's Saul, King Saul. Didn't turn out too good. You know, he was anointed by Samuel. Samuel says, hey, you're going to be the king. And Saul's like this guy taking care of donkeys and stuff. And, you know, he's just really tall. And God picks him. And so the day they were going to say, hey, here's Saul the king. Where, where is he? He's hiding in like the luggage or the garbage or something. You know, he's, he's over on the side. And he actually never stepped out of hiding in his life. Saul was a failed king because he was never able to step out of the brokenness that he came from and step into the wholeness that God had called him to. Here's the deal. Don't you find it interesting? I found it interesting. I'm reading through the whole Bible right now in 90 days with the other crazy people in this church, like the other four of us. Um, <laughs> you know, we're, in, we're supposed to be done with the book of Psalms today, and we're like halfway done since May 1st. I've read all the way from Genesis into Psalms. And so that's a long time. There's a lot of stories. But I've noticed something. Like even the good dudes in the Bible, like their kids are all messed up. 
You know, like there's like Samuel and there's all these people that are amazing kings and they love God and do all. But then their their children are just like, what what is wrong with you? How come you didn't raise your kids right? Or what what is up with that? But here's the deal: isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that Saul's son, Jonathan, is one of the most godly men in the Old Testament, yet he had one of the most messed up fathers there ever was. I can come out of brokenness into wholeness. It doesn't matter where you came from. You can step into the destiny of God. If your father was as bad as Saul, who God says, I am, I am sorry, I am disgusted that I ever made him the king. I can't even believe he's on the face of this earth. He came from that and says, look who he was raised up in to be. Jonathan, one of the most godly men who even deferred the kingship, says, I love you, David, so much. You can be the king. I don't have to have my rights. I just want to be who I'm supposed to be. Gideon. We could go through the list. When Gideon's called by God, he's hiding. It's, it's, like, it's not new, men. It's not new, guys. All through the Old Testament, Adam was the first one. We're hiding. And who does God come calling to first? He calls to the man. He calls to the man first. Not because we're more important. Not because we're smarter. That's for sure, right? (laughs) Because we were created first. And he says, I've given you the responsibility. I've given you authority. I've given you a calling. And God's saying... Where are you? Will you come out of hiding from brokenness into wholeness? Will you step into the destiny that God has called you into? Will you, allow, will you quit allowing fear or things that happened in the past, your anger issues, your apathy, your distractions, your other gods, your shame, all those different things. Will you allow those things to keep you in hiding or you say, I'm going to come out of hiding and say, God, I don't even know what it means to be a father. I don't even know what it means to have you as my father. But I want to know you. So today I I really feel like God wants to do some ministry. I, I feel like God wants to, for some of us, it's just going to affirm some things in us. For some of us, it's going to be, hey, I am, there's, there's areas of my life where I'm in hiding. Where I have, where they're covered up. I don't deal with them. I don't deal with those issues. I just put them to the side and I pretend like they're not there. And God is saying, look, don't be ashamed. I have won. Come out of hiding. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to stir up healing in your heart and He's going to reveal through your brokenness the wholeness of God as a father, as a good dad. And you're going to be like Jonathan. You may come from the worst place. You may come from the best place. And we're still messed up. It doesn't matter. Every father is broken. So I must step from brokenness to wholeness. I have no excuse. I have the power of the kingdom. I have the calling of the kingdom. I have the anointing of the Holy Spirit in me. I can step into wholeness. So I'm going to invite, I'm going to invite a few dads up. A few men up to pray. Uh, so Ronnie... Um, would you come? And uh, Dan, would you come? And would you come? This is my dad here. He's safe to be prayed for. He can pray for you and it'll be good. Um, Jacob and Shane, why don't you come up and be a... We need some young guys up here too. You guys be a team or something. Youth leader team.
So, guys, I don't know what you need today, but some of you need to respond. You need to say, I need to come out of hiding. And look, I understand it's up front. We're going to put on some music or something. I think guys got that figured out. Um, if you're not up here, just pray. But I encourage you, men, let's not let this day go by, this Father's Day, where God has appointed and said, this is a time to come out of hiding. And it may just be, look, it may just be this one area. It may be a huge thing. It may be just like, man, I don't have a clue about who God is as a father. I need to know the love of God. I need to experience the love of God. I need to be free to where I am no longer hiding in my entertainment choices, where I'm hiding in my hobbies, where I'm hiding behind my anger. And these men aren't perfect. They're all messed up too. I know most of them pretty well. But they've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives that has begun to bring them to wholeness to where they are having a revelation and they're on different places in the road. The revelation of who God is as Father. And so if you need prayer today, I'm going to pray and I just invite you to come on up. Um, have Carlene and Narda. Uh, ladies, if you need prayer, I, I'm just not trying to get you out to the front. I'm just having a separate place. If you need prayer, you say, man, something about this message and dealing with issues with my father. I just need some prayer. I need, I need some healing. If there's somebody, other lady leaders, I don't, my wife can, can watch out back there too. Um, we're, I'm, I'm just really believing today that something's going to be released, that something's going to happen. There's going to be men here and ladies here who are going to step out of hiddenness in the wholeness this morning. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence and your power. We invite you to come minister to us. We invite you to come reveal to us the heart of God, the heart of Father God. We invite you to heal us. We invite you to cleanse us. We invite you to lift us. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, come on. For anything, please please don't leave here without getting prayer. Come on up to these guys, men with men, women with women. Ladies, if you need prayer, uh, go to the back. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.